that was the opening music to Murder on the Orient Express. And it was released in 1975, is that right? Uh, November 1974 in the United Kingdom, probably 1975 in the U.S. Right, okay. And it stars Albert Finney, Lauren Bacall... Um, John Connery, Richard Widmark, an endless crew, Michael York, Jacqueline Bissett, on and on. It's quite a cast. Yeah, it's an all-star cast. I think everybody had kind of like top billing, but I like the poster because it kind of shows all those people uh, in, in, in the uh, montage of, of characters on this train. Oh yeah, I'm looking at that right now. All of them are there, all the main people so this is matt johnson and i'm recording from the seattle area and this is bob johnson coming to you from los angeles and welcoming you all back to classic movie reviews for what is a really really fun mystery movie and you can find us on the internet at www.classicmoviereviews.net or you can search for us in itunes or facebook just look for classic movie reviews. The uh, background on the film, Sidney Lament, an outstanding uh, movie director, put it all together. He's uh, well known for a film in 1957, 12 Angry Men, and then 1982, The Verdict with uh, Paul Newman and Jack Warden. And this film um, made a lot of money, had a, had a budget of a million and a half, and its box office was about 20 million pounds so it did really well what a what an interesting story when i first saw it in 1975 or 76 i was completely caught off guard by the ending oh my gosh i was too i've i've never seen this movie before and i've i've heard lots of good things about it and i was reading that agatha christie was able to see this movie before she had passed away and i think she was a pretty pretty advanced in in years by that time and she was pleased she kind of gave it her thumb up that that this was a good adaptation although she didn't like albert finney's mustache (laughs) (laughs) he needed more oil in his hair oh my gosh it looked like it looked like about a quart of pen's oil another funny story about him in this movie was that he was also doing a stage play at the same time they were filming this and in order for him to get enough sleep every day, they would send an ambulance to his house, and they would wheel. They would get. They would kind of quietly move him out of bed into the bed that they have in the ambulance, and then take him down to the ambulance, and then drive him to the studio. And they would start working on his makeup while he was still asleep. And I don't know if that's true, but that's what I read. That makes a great story. <laughs> I wonder if it was filmed in London or here. Oh, I think it was filmed in London. Yeah. Wow. But, uh, well, they had some great scenery shots, though, and some great uh, scenes of the train going through the countryside. I know. It made me want to take that train from from Istanbul to uh, Paris, say. What wow. A f- and that train has been re- remodeled, refurbished, updated, and it's very popular and very expensive. So you can actually take that, that trip? You can. Wow. Yeah, the... Uh, cool. The gentleman that played uh, Hercule Poirot on uh, public uh, PBS uh, conducted a tour of the uh, Orient Express, and it was really fun to watch. 
My favorite tagline for the movie is, and I quote, the greatest cast of suspicious characters ever involved in murder. Yeah, I was, man, I got to tell you, when I was about a third, no, about halfway to three quarters of the way through the movie, I was so confused. And I was, I was like, am I supposed to be able to be trying to figure out who the murderer is through all these clues? Because it seems like I'm not, I'm not having any idea who the murder murderer possibly could be. And there was the one guy that was helping helping uh, him. And after every interview, he'd be like, He murdered Gusset. He practically confessed as much. He did it. The butler did it. He had constant access to Ratchet. He himself could have poisoned the Valerian before bringing it to his master. Monsieur, she did it. They could have done it together. She has hidden fire. She is very strong. Why did you not ask her if she'd been to America? Because I did not need to. She did it. She's the one in Or he did it. He's <laughs> <No>. the one. <laughs> Martin Balsam. Yeah. As, uh, I think his name was Bianchi. Bianchi? Bianchi, yeah. And he was the director of the train company. And every one of the... He had it figured out, I guess. I kind of guess he did, because he <laughs> thought everybody did it. Oh. And, you know, there's so many excellent uh, characters in this. I think one of my favorite is the evil and really, really bad news Richard Widmark character. Oh my God! Yeah, he was terrible. He played that part to a hilt. Well, and then when you and then when you hear the whole story of what happened with the kidnapping and then the murder and then and then all the repercussions from that and it was a sad story. Like, yeah, it was it was the setup for why all these people are on the train is really great. I think it was patterned. I think I read that it was patterned after the Lindbergh kidnapping. That's Back what I thought. In thirty yeah. something. That's what I thought. And in real life, uh, from what I've been told, Richard Widmark was a real gentleman and a real uh, uh, good guy. But boy, in this movie, he was like awful. Yeah, he was a really bad, bad guy in the movie. And um, I kind of thought Sean Connery's character was an interesting character too, and yes. kind of a know-it-all sort of like better than you kind of <laughs> kind of a character. He played that perfectly. He really did, and my favorite scene in the whole movie was the was the uh, confrontation between his character and Hercule Poirot. I don't know what you're driving at. Then let us be practical and drive at facts. Did you know Colonel Armstrong? Not to speak to. You see, his outfit and mine wouldn't have mixed much. I'm Indian Army. He was British Army serving in India. Royal Scots. How did you know? It was in the papers when he shut himself after the kidnapping. Yeah, it's a rotten show. Thought he'd been tougher than that. After all, he got a DSO and an MC in France. Distinguished Service Order. Military Cross. Colonel. Ratchet was responsible for five deaths. The suicide of the falsely accused maid. The murder of the Armstrong child. The death of Mrs. Armstrong while giving premature birth to a stillborn baby. And the ultimate suicide of Colonel Armstrong in the face of multiple and intolerable bereavement. I would have understood his action if, in addition, to the DSO MC, he had been awarded the VC, 
which stands, as you may know, for Victoria Cross and is awarded for valor. Then, in my opinion, Ratchet deserved what he got. Though I'd sooner have seen him properly tried. By jury. Trial by 12 good men and true. It's a sound system. And, man, that was that was probably one of the best scenes in any movie ever where he just calls him out on, like, how awful the situation is and how what a jerk he's being. I love that scene also. I... I was going to loop back to Richard Woodmark. He started in film in a 1940, late 1940 film, and he played this evil murderer named Tommy Udo. Udo. And um, I can't think of the name of the movie right now, but if you get a chance, it's really good. Um, I, I saw that Ingrid Bergman had won a, an Academy Award for her performance in this movie, and it was for that, I mean, basically for that one scene where she's interviewed by Hercule Poirot. I was born backwards. That is why I work in Africa as missionary, teaching little brown babies more backward than myself. But I see that you have spent three months in America. Were you not able to improve? I was an international group. Um, uh, for getting money for um, African mission yeah. from American rich. Um, I, I speak Swedish uh, uh, to big audiences in, um, in Swedish-American institution in Minneapolis and uh, other big cities. In 10 weeks, we make um, um, $14,000 in and 27 cents. It's wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Miss Olsen, how long have you been interested in religion? From five years. In summer, and I had been sick, as always, and I sat in the grass in the garden, and I, I saw Jesus in the sky, uh, uh, many little children. But all the children were brown. So it was a sign for me to look after little brown babies. Yes. Were your parents religious? Nay. They had no respect for God. No. So it was not just a sign it was also a punishment. I can see why she won. I mean, it was really, really, really well done. Yeah, she was really an excellent actress in almost all, in all the movies I've ever seen that she was in. And I read that that was all one take, and they really only did it once. Like, <laughs> you know, like, wow, that's amazing to me that, that you know, she's what just a, that professional. What a talent. Can you imagine that whole group of people kind of herding them around to make the movie and just getting it all put together would be... Uh... Getting everybody's schedule to coincide oh. so that they can all be there? Because they, they were all in the shot at one time for, for a lot of the last third of the movie. Um, I, I found the Richard Woodmark reference from earlier. He plays Tommy Udo in The Kiss of Death from 1947. And oh. boy... You want to see a bad guy, that's him. He got typecast for a while. He did. 
Yeah, he did get typecast. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty straightforward movie, other than the fact that everybody's a, a, a suspect. But, I mean, it doesn't... I never got lost in the plot. I never got lost in the plot. I did get lost in the... the deductive process of trying to figure out who, who the murderer was. And I, I thought there was a real great sense of claustrophobic kind of uh, feeling when he would do those interviews because on some of the interviews he'd be leaning really far in and they and the camera was zoomed in really close to like their faces. And it just felt like, God, he's just right there in your face. And how uncomfortable that would have been as being somebody being interviewed, you know? And every time he did an interview... If I were one of the people being interviewed, I would think he knows I did it. Yeah, and he's such an—that was such an oddball character. And I thought at the beginning of the movie, this guy is really strange. You know, like he's just so so weird. And but then, as you sort of get to know him more, and as you sort of like start to understand him as a character, I just had like this huge appreciation for what he was doing and like how he would approach people and that by the end of the movie, I just felt like he was such a powerful figure. And believable. Very and believable, yeah. The, but his hair was a little <laughs> was a little distracting. Yeah. And then his little his little routine that he would go through at bedtime when he got the gloves on and he put that hairnet over his hair and then he had the thing that would cover his mustache. I know. That was hilarious. You know, I know of no one that ever does that, except for him <laughs> in the movie. A lot of different people have played that character in film and on stage. The PBS show with uh, Hercule Poirot is excellent. I, I, David Sachet, I believe it's pronounced, is, uh, he made a lot of those. And he toned it down a little bit. He wasn't quite the uh, character that Albert Finney is in this. And he's always very clear he's Belgium. Belgian, not, not French. Belgium, yeah, he's not French, yep. The story was, yeah, the story was pretty straightforward. The The ending was just fantastic. And the scenery of the train going through the countryside was amazing. The The way that they filmed it, where they kind of like had these shots that would go back and forth through time. Yes, uh, I like that. It was good. I like that. And kind of like, I love the puzzle aspect of the movie, but it's not the kind of movie that you could, that you, that you as a viewer, I don't think you as a viewer, if you've seen it for the first time, would be able to, arrive at the conclusion that the movie arrives at you know i i just don't think that you have enough information as a viewer and but maybe i'm wrong and maybe i'm just not like into mysteries enough to be able to put all those pieces together well i know when i watched it in the theater when it came out i i was totally lost in all the characters and who did what and then when they had the big revealing at the end i was uh i was really surprised that they'd all been involved. I did uh, want to mention. I liked the opening, the way they did sort of the uh, bringing you into the backstory of the kidnapping and the characters involved. I really liked the way that was done. And then the oh, I love that of yeah. the family. And what happened? Yeah, the, to them. that was great. And then um, the, those scenes in the train station as people were sort of arriving and getting on the train, and um, that one. Oh my gosh, that one woman. The the the, the sort of the 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 older woman that had the maid who was kind of severe. Um, I forget her character's name. But she was great, too, because she was so severe and sort of so... 
matriarchal, you know? Wendy Hiller as Princess yeah. Drag Dragomirov. Dragomirov. That's it, yeah. I knew, yeah, that's the one. And I, I really enjoyed watching her character as well. And the uh, character of her maid uh, was well was well done. And then I thought Anthony Perkins played the same character in this uh, movie as he did in Psycho. Yes, it was... <laughs> <laughs> it was his uh, father in this movie. And then he opened a hotel or motel in California. <laughs> we know the rest of that story, right? <laughs> right. I like the ending where uh, Perot offers the simple and the complex uh, explanation of the event. And then he, he says to his friend, A repulsive murderer has himself been repulsively and perhaps deservedly murdered. But in which of the two ways that I have suggested, in the simple way by the mafioso disguised as a wagon reconductor, or in the more complex way that I have just outlined, which involves many questions and, of course, considerable scandal. Senebianchi, it is for you, as the director of the line, to choose a solution that we shall offer to the police at Brato. I confess, I am in two minds. Oh, I... Uh... I think the police at Brad would uh, prefer the simplicity of the first solution. You decide which one you want to uh, tell. I think Hercule Perot says something like... Hey, thank you. My friend, now I must uh, go and wrestle with my report to the police and uh, with my conscience. He was able to reconcile the fact that he knew what really had happened, but that given the circumstances that he would go with the other more obvious answer. I have, I know. I like, I like that. I like that ending so much. I, I don't know if it, if the movie follows the uh, book from 1934 or not, but uh, I tell you, Sidney Lament is, is a master. Have you seen many of his films or like the verdict and some of those others? I don't think I've seen too many of his movies. My uh, but, my actor friend that I see every Friday, uh, we watched one of Sidney Lament's films last Friday called Before the Devil Knows You're Dead from 2007. He'd made movies for a long time. I've wow. seen it, and it was really well done. Well, that's a great name for a movie. Yes. Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. <laughs> you, have, you have a little window of time. There's more bad <laughs> people in that than there, than there are in three movies combined. Yeah, I thought the ending. I, one more comment I had about the ending is I thought it was really, like, emotional. Like, when once you sort of understand why all these people are on the train and how they're all connected and and what they went through, and then they show that that scene when Hercule Perot is kind of explaining like how they were all involved in bumping this guy off. It was like, wow! It, it really kind of hit me as like a real tragic story and they were all sort of so relieved at the end of the of the movie once Hercule Pro let them off the hook I guess yeah they did a it was a masterful job of 
filmmaking when it showed each person coming in and doing their doing their assignment. Even that elderly lady Wendy Hiller played participated. Yeah. I give the I give the film a ten. Ten out of ten. I do too. I totally I think it's a movie that you could watch many times and get something new each time you watch it and I could just watch uh Albert Finney play that character and like i wish he'd made more movies like this because i i uh, i just watched last week i watched the movie looker remember from 1980 oh yes yes a pretty face reflected in the mirror so perfect in every way with every move the picture's getting clearer she's got it all she's got it made but when she smiles plays a plastic surgeon in that movie who kind of gets caught up in a, a, a espionage and, and corruption scheme and uh, I was trying to f- reconcile him in that movie with him just six years earlier playing this character and I was like wow that's some versatile acting because oh, in, was... in the film that I saw last Friday before the devil knows you're dead he plays he plays a, a really strong character in that movie so he must have been tied in rather closely with Sidney Lumet. I think he's in more than just a couple of Lumet's movies. Yeah, for sure. So, well, we're, we're, next week we're doing Plan 9, or next podcast we're doing Plan 9 from Outer Space. Plan 9 from Outer Space. I, I can't believe we're going to do that, but yeah. It, it's got It's been voted the worst movie ever made in several places. You know, well, we've picked the perfect movie to anchor the bottom of our scale. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it's not... available for all our listeners because it's in the public domain. It fell out of copyright protection. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to go into it thinking that I'm going to give it a really low rating. I might come away from it really enjoying it. I don't know. Have you seen it before? I've never seen it. It goes by an alternate t- title: Grave Robbers from Outer Space. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a movie about Ed Wood. Uh, made a few ba- years back, Johnny Depp I think played uh, Ed Wood, and, and and they have scenes from this movie in it. So I'm looking forward to Plan Nine from Outer Space. Bella Lugosi's in it, and he'd been dead for three years. That's really filmmaking. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll have to talk. We'll have to explore that more next time. All right. <laughs> so until then, this is Matt Johnson coming to you from Seattle, and Bob Johnson in Los Angeles wishing you all happy movie watching.
This is going to be a short episode. You got done with two minutes of spare? No, it'll, it'll be 23 minutes, 24 minutes, a couple of clips.